Welcome to the Sports Block Podcast. It is the first podcast of September in uh, 2018 here. The year of our Lord, 2018. And uh, Nathan Stackens with you here, as always, alongside my good friend and co-host, Mr. Travis Crins. Travis, uh, fantasy drafts are now in the books. We will be uh, ready for fantasy football with the NFL regular season starting here. But college football ruled the roost over this last weekend, and that's not even going to be our top story. Um, let's get let's get the baseball out of the way. I know you like the baseball. Wow! Like, goddamn! Look at this. <laughs> I know you like the baseball, but uh, the football, of course, uh, very heavy, especially with college football, and of course the big story that uh, broke on Monday, and certainly. Uh, with it being Labor Day, garnered a lot more attention uh, on Tuesday. But let's just talk the baseball here. Final month of the regular season. Uh, let's get the shitty twins out of the way here first. Call-ups doesn't sound like they're calling up Buxton in September. Doesn't sound like they're calling up another one of their better guys. Um, what? Uh, anything interesting that we need to worry about regarding the twins here to finish September? Not really. Uh, Buxton, he's doing well in AAA like he usually does. Uh, they get another year of control. I guess they want more of this misery from Buxton, so they get another year of control. Really, like 2021 or whatever the hell it is. So they call him up. I think he's like 13 days away from um, that year going away. So it's, it's, it's frustrating when they do that, but it makes sense. I mean, there's no reason for him to play. Uh, now, if you can get you know another year of control, if he turns out just to be an average player, you would sacrifice 13 games now in a lost season for another full season of control down the road. Um, you've got guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's hitting, you know, threatening to hit 400 in AAA for Toronto. Uh, people want him up, and uh, by all means, he's he's earned a promotion. Well, but it makes sense for Toronto. Toronto's not in the playoffs, so he's their cornerstone piece for years to come. He's very young. So um, hopefully, you know, they, they can hold on to him for another year. It just makes sense if you can get another year of control for a guy. Mm-hmm. To, you know, wasting him for a couple of months in a worthless season. So, do, do fans you know. get that? Do fans understand that? I mean, I know you you want fans to come watch the games. And, of course, when your team is bad. Uh, not I mean, the, the Twins aren't terrible but this season certainly could have been should have been much better uh but looking at it how do, how does a team sell this concept sell this idea to the fan base regarding you know adding that extra like hey we get another year potentially with this guy i would say they can uh they kind of mention that's part of it they've also mentioned i mean he's, he's been injured for a lot this year his wrist kind of acting up so I would say it would just be best for him to rest up, get ready for next year. So what? What, what is this year five, year four of this guy? Mm-hmm. And the last month or two of last year looked like he was turning a corner. He played really, really well, but then he came back and it was the same old stuff again. Then he got injured again, and we never saw him again. So uh, this was by far his worst season, his least productive season. He barely played at all. Played out all. 20, 25, 30 games was all. Never got back to the majors, so you can sell it as you can rest him up for injuries. Uh, but really, the, you, you could sell it as we get another year of control for this guy. There's no reason to waste him on 
games that do not matter now and hopefully can uh, get another year. So it's essentially uh, sacrificing now for a year from now or, or three, four years from now, and I, it's a smart move. I'd, I'd love to see the Seattle Mariners get into the playoffs here. They have the longest uh, playoff drought in Major League Baseball. That's not, seemingly not going to happen this year as of the recording of this podcast. Nine games back of the Yankees for the second wild card spot. Uh, they are five and a half games. The first wild card spot. Oh, the first wild card spot. Excuse me. Yes. Um, you have, you know, that they're only five and a half games back of the A's. Is there any chance, any chance at all, that the Yankees somehow missed the playoffs? Can Seattle catch fire? I mean, what Oakland. Are you, I thought we were done with. This. I know, what I know, we are. I just want, I just want to bring like it up again. Two, two weeks ago, you were like, yeah, I don't know, and I'm like, <laughs> I mean, there's like 25 games to go. They're up by nine. I mean, there's not. We've seen crazier collapses. I don't think so. This would probably be the craziest one. They could literally probably lose the rest of their games. Well, let me ask you this though the 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 Yankees I mean, I have, the the Yankees. You can, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean you can be done with. I mean it's going to be the Yankees and Oakland. I mean we're. Yeah, are you even like? Go. Does Seattle even have a? Ch- Seattle has at least a chance to catch Oakland, right? I mean, what they, they got. I assume they play. If they play, and they, they've got to sweep them. Yeah, I mean, they, Oakland. Oakland's been the best team in baseball record-wise for the last few months. They have a three-game series the last week of the season. So and, that could, I mean that and that may be worthless, but if it isn't, they got to sweep them. For what it's worth, uh, the Yankees traded for Andrew McCutcheon this last week. Uh, Aaron Judge still not hitting. How big of a concern is that for the Yankees? Oh, yeah, if he's out, what, he's got a wrist or something or a knee. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's their best hitter, so that's a big concern. That's a bit of a surprising move. Get Andrew McCutcheon, who's having an okay year. He's a free agent anyway after this year. So, uh, Yankees are going for it. Got Josh Donaldson, who he may be a week away from playing, but uh, these teams are kind of just stockpiling this talent all for an old five-game series, a seven-game series. So, so not a whole lot of risk. They're not giving up a whole lot, but so for a week worth of games, it's, we're going for it. In the National League, the Phillies have really hit the skids here lately, yet they are still only three and a half games back of the Braves. I think we both uh, like the Braves to win that division. We're not talking about the Nationals anymore. Uh, The Central, the Cardinals, Brewers, and Cubs, that's a very uh, interesting race, those three teams separated by five and a half games. I will maintain that I have been more disappointed by the Brewers here, given what they all traded for in the trade deadline and and everything they really seemed like they were going all in and should have this great offense and they just they they've been inconsistent at best here lately uh so i'm very disappointed by the brewers do you think they can hang on and fend off the cardinals do you see a charge of of, of the cubs for the division i think cubs cubs are the best team cubs gonna win that division i mean i've been i've been Pleasantly surprised by Milwaukee. I mean, those trades have worked out fantastically. They've got Lorenzo Cain. They've got Kristen Yelich. Both are MVP candidates. By all means, both should finish in the top ten. 
MVP race. Yelich, he's, he's great. He's a young player. He's fantastic. Been at 30 home runs this year. So I've been impressed with him. And uh, wild card right now, I think it's uh, Brewers Cardinals. I think it's, I like the Brewers to at least be in that game. Anybody else? I guess they'll go Brewers Cardinals right now. That wild shows how much I've been paying attention here. What do my eyes deceive, or my eyes don't aren't deceiving me, even though I think they should be. But the Diamondbacks now are a one and a half games back of the Rockies. Here, uh, the the Dodgers a half game back of the Rockies. So the the most interesting race by far in baseball, the NL uh, West race. Uh, what the hell are the Diamondbacks doing? I mean, those teams are just swapping spots. Ridiculous. One, team, one team's led by a game, then something happens, and the other team's led by a game. So I, I think th- that's a case where there's only going to be one of those teams. I don't see any of those two teams getting in the wild card. So I, feel- I mean, the Rockies, I don't know how the Rockies are doing it. Yeah. Their bullpen has been atrocious. Here this past month, giving up numerous leads late. I mean, the Rockies, they should be, they've, they've given up half a dozen games here. I want to see if the Rockies win the NL West with a negative run differential. I feel like we've talked about this before, but I'd love to see how many teams have ever won the division with a negative run differential. Texas comes to mind from a few years ago. I don't know if it was negative, but it wasn't good. Um, So those Texas teams from like five four, five, six years ago is the first one that comes to mind. But it is odd how that, how they're doing this. Anything else baseball related? I mean, Jacob DeGrom's pretty much wrapped up to Cy Young. Yep. Sure, uh, just gave up, just gave up too many home runs here in his last few starts. I know he's gotten the loss, hasn't gotten a lot of run support, but it seems like every time I, I take a look at his, you know, stat line or the box score, it's, you know, he's gave up one home run here, or, uh, you know, the, the, at least two runs, which isn't bad, but uh, that's not what you need if, if uh, you're going against the likes of Jacob DeGrom. He's going to threaten 300 strikeouts again. I I don't think he'll get it. He'll probably end up with 290-some, but uh, very, very impressive. So, there we go. Let's go now. Uh, we'll be spending, I think, the majority, if not the rest of the time here, talking about football collegiately, professionally. First, before we get to the college, uh, the news of what that Nike broke, or really, it was probably more Colin Kaepernick himself broke on Monday, uh, tweeting out that he was going to be featured in Nike's 30th anniversary of the Just Do It ad campaign. Um, I, if you were the one because, you know, as I was at the lake this weekend, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to what else was going on in the world, apart from the Khalil Mack trade, uh, apart from, you know, some college football stuff going on. So I had no idea what the heck was going on here Monday night. uh, And this announcement was made that uh, you know that Colin Kaepernick's going to be featured here, and it's uh, it's very good. It, it makes a lot of sense. What uh, I'm pulling up the the official 
or the, what it actually says here. Um, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And you also have uh, athletes along the likes of like Odell Beckham Jr., Serena Williams, LeBron James. Uh, but Colin Kaepernick appears to be the face of this, and it makes a great deal of sense. Um, all the sense in the world, quite frankly, given that he sacrificed his pro career for all intents and purposes um, for social injustices. And many people don't see it that way, but many people are listening to the stupid shit that uh, those who are trying to push their own freaking agenda want to do. I'm not going to name names, but uh, one might start with a T and end in a P, uh, with rump in the middle of that. Uh, but having said that, try not to get all political here, um, Nike will certainly face backlash from it we've seen you know swooshes getting ripped or you know people boycotting saying they're gonna boycott nike um i i just saw something on facebook my cousin had shared about you know maybe the people who are uh throwing away their nike stuff or defacing it could give it to some homeless veterans that uh, they're caring so much about if they think that kaepernick has indeed uh, kaepernick and the likes of like um, Eric Reed and other players, who, of course, throughout the NFL, um, so uh, quote unquote disrespecting the flag, which is, I think, you, as you and I have both said numerous times, ridiculous. But having said all that, in my soliloquy and my uh, my rant here, my essay, uh, I really applaud. I, I shouldn't say applaud, but it's it's refreshing to see Nike have Kaepernick as the face of this. It just for the slogan, for the campaign, it just makes a lot of sense. I think I've said this before, but whatever, you know, whatever, we'll see what happens in these next couple of years. But like these last these last couple of years have really separated people for me to whether or not you can understand certain stories, whether you can understand facts, whether you can comprehend what things are, you know. What is, what is Kaepernick protesting? He's protesting police brutality. We say this every time. Oh, good good for Nike. Good for them to do this. Um, I think we'll look back at this time and we'll be a wrong side of history and a right side. I know they'll, they'll be on the right side of this. So, oh, good, good, good for them. Uh, people that are destroying their stuff, I mean, that just makes you look like an idiot. So, it really doesn't affect Nike at all. So, uh, I, yeah, it, it, I, think, I think it's great, and uh, I'm excited to see if anything happens Sunday. I doubt it, but uh, I hope somebody does. I don't think the, that Nike's bottom line is going to change a whole lot in the long run, at least temporarily. It might, but then people will inevitably forget about all this. And I'll be honest, I didn't even remember that Nike had... Colin Kaepernick as a you know as a representative as a client there um, so that leads me to a point and I'll and I'm not gonna take this as I thought of this I had heard it I believe it was on the Stephen A Smith show on ESPN radio for what it's worth but it, it does make you think it might make you question if cop if Kaepernick was or has been with Nike since 2011. 
why have they not done anything else before this? Now, I think this is by far their biggest ad campaign, but it seems, again, I've, very few people, I think, knew or remembered that Kaepernick has been with Nike for this long and that Nike maintained their relationship with him. So why hadn't anything been done before? I just, I think there it is an interesting point. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter to me uh, as long as they've kept the relationship with him and now ultimately putting him in their biggest ad campaign with the Just Do It and, of course, the 30th anniversary. But it does make you stop and think a little bit, uh, doesn't it? Or maybe it, is that just me? It was just timing. They want to do something big for their 30th anniversary or whatever the hell they're doing. And it was just timing a uh, week before the NFL season. I think timing more than anything. I mean, it has the biggest impact now with the anniversary and right before football season. So it's, so it's fresh on everybody's mind. And it can't make the the folks there um, uh, at NFL headquarters happy. It can't make the 32 bosses, the 32 owners happy. Uh, with Nike being the official apparel sponsor of the NFL, you know, supplying the uniforms, you know, jerseys, everything uh, that Nike would perhaps be siding with Colin Kaepernick here or using him, especially when there's a collusion case between the NFL and, you know, that, that Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed have brought forth, which has been allowed to continue. That was announced last week. So the collusion case will continue, and I guarantee the NFL is is fretting over this and is worried because this terrible decisions by the NFL uh, regarding Kaepernick and also with the way domestic violence issues have been handled from Ray Rice to Greg Hardy to uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, yep. Just continue, you, you can name There's a whole list of characters there. This ultimately could bring the demise of the NFL down. Stupid decisions like this. I'm not saying it's going to happen immediately, but I think you'll... I think we're starting to see an oversaturation, and I think people are looking at some of these issues and saying, this is stupid. What are you doing? Again, there's two sides of the fence here. Some people are not they're saying, oh, I don't want to watch the football because of the national anthem thing that they're not going to show this year. And there's people like me that don't want to watch it uh, because of the complete opposite reasons and just the, uh, it's just another, uh, another thing that I don't like about it or I don't care about it. And I don't intend to watch any game other than the Vikings, and the Vikings games are not the easiest thing to watch for me. Um, so if I watch a game this year, that'll be a disappointment. It's not the Vikings. Watch the Super Bowl probably, but if I watch any other game, that's uh, probably bad for me. So, um, I mean, ratings will probably be down a little bit again. I don't think it has anything to do with any of this. It's just, I mean, it got to a point where, like, it... it it, it was going to get so high, and then it's got to come down. But even if it comes down, you know, 10, 20 percent, it's still by far the biggest thing on TV and entertainment, by far the biggest thing uh, in the country. It can come down. And, yes, it will still be the most watched. You know, they'll have, you know, 10 of the top or 9 of the top 10 most watched uh, shows or programs in the country. You know, Sunday Night Football will be right up there again. But... Perhaps the NFL has gotten too big that it thinks that no matter what happens that they can 
um, survive anything. And it leads to some illogical decisions that are being made and just some just some poor PR moves by him. Again, I'm just strictly going by more of like the domestic violence issues and of course this whole national anthem thing, you know, they botched that in May and it just continues to linger and it it's th- these sorts of things that the NFL does that are completely off the field deals. Like it's not it does it has nothing to do with the the teams or the players or, you know, on the field it has nothing to do with the play itself. But it's everything off the field that the NFL just, for whatever reason, can't seem to wrap its head around that uh, they're making just some awful moves and it's pissing people I, off. I would guess the, the, the vast majority of the fans don't care at all about the stuff we care about. They don't care that, you know, Adrian Peterson beat his kid or this guy beat his wife. They, they don't care about it. They just want to watch football. Uh, like they say, they just they just want to watch football. They, they don't want any of this anthem stuff. They don't care about uh, the concussion stuff. They they, you know, they they complain about the penalties for the illegal hits. They just want to watch a bunch of dudes just end their lives early, flying around the field, hitting the hell out of each other uh, for a couple hours on Sunday. I think that's really what most of them care about. And I don't think they really care about the stuff that we do. The stuff we talk about every uh, every week. With that, being, with that being said, uh, we will come back to the NFL here, um, do a minor season preview here. Um, like more people watch preseason football games than regular season of any other sports. Like you'll get seven, eight plus million people to watch essentially a scrimmage with backup players. Mm-hmm. Getting charged full prices, too. Yeah, on a random Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Monday night in the middle of August than you will. The biggest baseball game of the year. There'll be more people that watched a preseason game than will watch either wild card game or most playoff games in either the NBA or MLB. They are so far ahead of whatever is number two. Let's go to the college game now that actually had some real games being played. Week one is in the books and rather uneventful, not a lot of upsets, a lot of blowouts. What was your what was the best game of the weekend in your opinion? Uh, it's probably Auburn and Washington, and that was boring as hell. I'd... I mean it was, you know, good defense, I guess. It's like defense kickers were pretty bad. It just wasn't a good week. I don't think next week... It, it, eh, it, it just isn't good. It, it seems impossible when you have 70 or 80 games a week. There's got to be at least a couple that are entertaining. Texas-Maryland was pretty good yet again. Uh, you know, Texas disappointed, and it was exciting again. Game came down to the final minute. Uh, but for the most part, there wasn't uh, any huge upset. Uh, LSU looked great. Uh, Virginia Tech looked great. Those were uh, minor upsets. Uh, but other than that, really nothing. Uh, nothing really shook, shook the world. Well, you mentioned Texas here. Uh, there are four teams that come to mind, and you mentioned Washington as well. There are four teams that come to mind that uh, had playoff aspirations to begin the year. Some with outside, you know, with a smaller chance than others. 
Um, and we'll just kind of go through the order here. Uh, number one, I think with the smallest chance would be Texas. There were some people. I can't remember. In our college football preview, did you pick Texas to make the playoff? I did. Shattenkirk did. Yep. Somebody else maybe did. It was it was amazing, and uh, it, it was it was great. They lost. They're done, as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, they got. I mean, they got to run the table, but it's ridiculous. I, They're not going to. So. You're right, and I I. I'm just saying I don't foresee Texas being able to run the table. They have a non-conference game against USC. Granted, that is at home coming up here in a couple of weeks. But you have a a neutral site visit with Oklahoma with the way Kyler Murray and company looked against Florida Atlantic, a team that I thought Florida Atlantic had as good a chance as any team to pull off an upset this week. Um, maybe now we should just say App State's got the best chance to pull off an upset each and every week uh, when they play a Power 5 conference. Uh, they lost 45-38 in um, overtime to Penn State. Actually had a lead late in the fourth quarter. But that aside, you know Texas has West Virginia at home. Uh, Will Greer and company looked outstanding against Tennessee. Granted, it was Tennessee in game one of the uh, Pruitt era there. Uh, but they also have to go to Oklahoma State. And they're going to have to play TCU. I just, if Texas can get out of this here and win win out, including the Big 12 championship game, certainly I think then they are deserving to be in the, the playoff discussion. But I don't, I don't foresee that happening. That's just too difficult of a schedule for them. And again, the defense just wasn't, uh, second half defense was good. But then Maryland put 24 points up on them, like the first 20 minutes. So, I mean, the defense was there second half, but first half it wasn't, and that cost them the game. Uh, offense just isn't any good. Quarterback's not any good. So, not a whole lot. By the first game, it doesn't seem like a whole lot has changed. Uh, another team here uh, that I think is is done, quite frankly, uh, Michigan. Michigan loses to Notre Dame, and it's not a terrible loss. Notre Dame's a very good team, but we had all heard about this Michigan defense and how great it is. And Shea Patterson at quarterback, going to be the difference. And while the defense defense struggled in the first half against Notre Dame, they played much better in the second half. Gave up, what, 75 total yards of offense to Notre Dame? I mean, so that that's, that's good. But Michigan lost the game to Notre Dame. At, and that's all that matters. They lost 24-17. Uh, you have Patterson, again, didn't play well. And you're going to have to go against Ohio State on the road. You're going to have to play Penn State, uh, Michigan State. I don't see Michigan do, being able to go through that gauntlet undefeated and have and get back to the playoffs. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. No, I mean, it's tough. Their schedule's tough. It just is. Ohio State, Penn State, it's just a very tough schedule. Uh, Notre Dame looked really good. Um, Again, kind of like the Texas game. Michigan's defense in the second half was great, but the offense couldn't get it going enough. And, uh, I mean, Notre Dame's probably a top-10 team. I don't think they're a national championship contender. I don't think they could beat any of the top five teams. I think their offense is good enough for that. But... Notre Dame is probably a top 10 team, and that game was a toss up, and what they lost by 14 points. So, like, it's, it's a good loss. I don't know if they look good during the game, but 
like Notre Dame didn't look good in the second half. So it was like it, it's not a terrible loss. Like if it's like Braylon Edwards is going after, uh, I mean, for that, I mean, like Christ, like there's no shame in losing to at Notre Dame by 14 points. No, I agree, there isn't, but I don't foresee Michigan being able to run the table going forward. Well, no, if they you know if they go eight and four again, then they go eight and four again. That sounds fine. Uh, Miami looked terrible against LSU. Uh, I don't know necessarily how we're supposed to take LSU, uh, given that their quarterback, once again, only threw for 140 yards. So is, is this quarterback the true difference? I don't know. I'm not going to say yes. But uh, I was not expecting LSU to beat the U. Uh, the U looked bad. So um, it's really just paved a path for my Hokies. Praise my Hokies for that dominating performance against Florida State. It was a dominating performance again. Ten and ten and two. I think, I think a lot of us had them at nine and three, but um, they kind of got a dog shit of a schedule. They play Notre Dame, and they play. Uh, I mean, they don't play Clemson, so that's good. Uh, they, they they they, uh, they play Miami. We'll see how they do. Miami but, comes uh, to Blacksburg this year. Uh, Notre Dame goes to Virginia Tech. So schedule wise. Uh, they won their toughest road game by far, and uh, schedule-wise, I mean, oh, ten and two, eleven and one. Yeah, if they can, uh, if they can maybe be the Miami of last year and go into that ACC title game and they beat Clemson, uh, they'll probably be in the mix. But uh, you know, ten and two, eleven and two, that'd be hell of a year, and they'll probably end up in the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl. If, uh, if, if they keep it up here, I am not concerned about William and Mary this week for my Hokies. Uh, I am concerned about East Carolina in uh, next uh, the week following, and then a road trip at Old Dominion. I can't imagine Virginia Tech slipping up, but I, How I, that I don't I don't know. I didn't see them beating Florida State. I have them in a slightly unbiased fashion or slightly biased fashion, finishing eleven and one with their lone loss to Florida State. With this happening now, and with the way Miami looked, I mean, the the coastal is is, I mean, it, we got this. Wait, they are in the coastal, right? I keep getting the yep. damn the damn conferences in the ACC mixed up. It's just I, I hate the way they have it laid out. But anyway, well, here's the problem: you have Boston College and Florida State in the same damn co- in the same division. That's ridiculous. Boston College, the northernmost school. And uh, Florida State, pretty goddamn uh, Southern. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, Duke and Carolina are in one side. Uh, Wake Forest, NC State, in the other. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's not a North South. It's not an East West. Uh, it Pittsburgh should be North South, though. It it could be Pittsburgh and Miami are in the same division. Pittsburgh and Miami. Uh, if you want to make it North, you know Boston College. Uh, Pittsburgh, Syracuse. Virginia, uh, Syracuse, and a few of the Carolinas. Yep. But then you'd have Florida State, Miami, and Vitek. And you'd have all the good teams in one division. That would suck. But uh, I guess they did the best they could. Um, it, it was basically, you know, just one of this, one of that. A couple of northern schools here, a couple of northern schools there. So that's what makes it so difficult because uh, both divisions have both north and south teams. I will say that I think Washington's loss to Auburn might end up. Well, I will say this. I will say this. You've yeah. made some, you know, uh, 
uh, we give you shit about what Brandon Whedon and whatever the fuck else you did. Uh, <laughs> the crazy picks, and they end up happening, and this one will probably just be added to the list of. Uh, we can play Schadenkirk's deal back of, you, you can't do it, Zach, and don't do it. And then Virginia Tech, they'll be, you know, like 11-2 and two and be a top-10 team in the Orange Bowl, and we can play that back and say... Uh, Stacking was right. I, I look forward to that. One of the few times uh, throughout the year that I am usually usually with, you have at least one a year though. You got a thing with a draft or some damn yep. thing happens and it, it works out. I would say Brandon Whedon is probably my finest moment, uh, but I would say you know, Ezekiel Elliott um, would be yeah, right well, up there. Well, somebody was it him? Somebody else high was high in the draft. Was it him? Yeah, I said Ezekiel Elliott would be a top five pick. Yeah, and he was. Um, but I will say, Washington, while not looking stellar in that loss to Auburn, it's a neutral site game, but for all intents and purposes, it is a road game because they're playing in Atlanta. It's what, like a two- or three-hour drive from Auburn to Atlanta, and it's all the way cross-country for Washington. So let's be real here, folks. This is, a, for all intents and purposes, a road game, and Washington was the better team for at least half of that game against Auburn. I, again, a two-loss team, highly unlikely going to make the college football playoff, perhaps ever, unless there's an eight. Um, you know, it, it expands to eight. But I, I would think sometime it's got to happen. It, it's rare. I think it, it makes rare. sense to have, uh, I think Mike Tirico tweeted this out, and I retweeted it. Uh, you have the five conference winners. You have... The power, the like, the non-power five, get in, and then two wild cards. I think that's perfect. I think that would be. That How would, many teams is that? Eight. I mean, I've always been a proponent of a sixteen-team deal. Ten conferences. You win your conference, you get in with six wild cards. But uh, that's never going to happen. Someday it'll be at eight, probably. But. I just yeah, think we'll I think Washington's loss was overall the best. And I say that because, again, given who they played and the mere fact that their schedule is overall more favorable here going out, so I think the loss will be more forgiving. But they do have to beat the likes of Oregon in um, Eugene. They do have to beat Stanford. Uh, but overall, I, I think Washington ends up with their playoff hopes not... Uh, not as diminished as the other teams, the Texases, Miamis, uh, and Michigans. They're ranked number nine. They're 0-1. They're still in the top ten, so if they went out, they're probably in. Michigan is the second best one-loss team. They are at 21. So uh, Washington, they dropped three spots. I mean, they're, that was a good game. came down to the end. Uh, kind of boring at times, but it was an exciting finish. Two very good teams, two very good defenses. Uh, but you look at the teams out of Washington, uh, they're probably all going to lose except maybe one or two. So if Washington wins out, I got to think they're in. I agree. Uh, Mother Nature, not kind to week one of the college football season. You had multiple delays in games. Uh, Maryland, Texas was delayed. Tennessee, West Virginia was delayed there in Charlotte. Then you had cancellations. N uh, Akron, Nebraska was uh, canceled. 
You had SDSU and Iowa State canceled after Iowa State jumped out to a 7-0 lead four minutes in. Lightning, storms, boom, the whole kit and caboodle done. Um, I know East Carolina and North Carolina A&T had their game postponed, but they played on Sunday ge geographically. It's a little easier, I suppose. I don't understand necessarily why SDSU and Iowa State couldn't have played on a Sunday. Uh Surely you could find hotel accommodations for the team somewhere around the Ames Just area. Drive back. Yeah. Well, that's Play right. Play the game at noon. Play the game at noon. Done by four, whatever. Three thirty-four. Be on the road by five. Get home by ten o'clock. Uh, do that. I don't. I don't understand how that that doesn't happen, or how how it couldn't happen. I get scheduling. It, you know, logistics with that, it might become an issue, but, I mean, this is, it's really just ridiculous that, uh, you know, that they couldn't figure it out, either team. I mean, I, what Charlie had mentioned on the Google uh, Hangout chat on, on Sunday on the Sports Lounge that uh, there was talk that maybe Akron couldn't get any lodging, or, you know, like, hotel accommodations because, you know, when there's a game in Lincoln... The, you know all the hotels sell out instantly with all the fans coming in from all over but I I don't know to me it, it just seems amazing that I mean hell get a, get a hotel in Omaha and drive the hour hour and a half to Lincoln it just to me I don't understand how that doesn't happen and now you're gonna see a scramble here at the end if Nebraska and Iowa State are needing one more win to become bowl eligible they're gonna schedule some stupid team or you know and maybe SDSU could be one of them um, not saying that SDSU stupid but you're you're just gonna see this whole deal again kind of like last year with Florida State when they uh, asked to play Delaware State again after that game got canceled I think due to Hurricane Irma or um, whatever the hurricane was there that hit Florida uh, around this time actually last year uh, you're just going to have something like that, and it's going to be meaningless except for the fact that they can become bowl eligible. I hope that's not the case here, um, but surely, especially I guess in the in the in the situation regarding Iowa State and SCSU, if you know storms are approaching, how come you can't move kickoff up four to four to five hours? You know this well in advance. Yeah. Like, to change it to the noon kickoff. The day before, and yes, it, it might make it a little difficult for some fans to get to the game, but at least the game's going to get played. Yeah, that, uh, their, their game wasn't really even on TV either. It was on big, big uh, was the was the channel MediaCom channel twenty two. I think was what it was. Ooh. So it really wasn't even on TV. He could have moved it up if he wanted to play the game. It could have happened earlier. Uh, maybe it rained all day Sunday. It seems like Iowa got a lot of rain this past weekend. Yep. I don't know. It's coach's decision, athletic director, athletic director's decision, combination of both. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, that, that was a game that SDSU was probably going to get it handed to them quite handily. And uh, big thing is they still got the money, and I would say that would be the most important part of that transaction. What was the... Uh, how much did Iowa State pay SDSU to come down? Is it, I, I imagine it was in the five hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand dollar range. Four hundred some. Four hundred. Okay. Four fifteen. Four twenty. Some of that. Still not bad. It's still a. 
uh, it's a nice payday. So they'll take it and run. I imagine Akron got paid uh, less to go play Nebraska, right? I don't know. Okay. Uh, anything it's, else? Uh, it, it, it's odd how that, that works sometimes. I think Illinois, Illinois lost to somebody. I think they paid them quite a bit of money. Okay. Uh, they, they've almost lost to Kent State. They did. They didn't have any okay. And they paid Kent State, I think, quite a bit. I mean, I think Florida's, Florida has played some teams a million dollars uh, at times to come and play. Uh, a group that I know that went, and a group you could probably figure out who that is. Yep. Uh, they, they, they got there at noon. To tailgate. Yeah. Like, what What are you going to do for six, seven hours? Oh, we got to get ready to tailgate. Right there, there's still nobody there at noon. So... Uh, they got up and early. They left, you know, seven thirty. They were on the road. They got there at noon. They were ready to go, and not not much football was played. No, then um, that's a shame. Uh, anything else from week one that caught your attention? Mm. Ohio State looked good. Alabama looked good. Georgia? LSU was very impressive. LSU, yes. I think, is up to 11. Yep. Uh, quarterback for LSU, Joe Burrow. He was at uh, Ohio State. I think he had six attempts at Ohio State. Uh, again, I think it's a situation where they put up a lot of points and they won. So they looked at the offense. Offense was very good. Quarterback was okay. Yeah, like 11 to 24, 440. Didn't turn it over. Didn't throw a touchdown. Threw the ball down the field a little bit. He was good enough to where they could really beat the shit out of Miami. Um, Miami quarterback, he's pretty bad. So, I get LSU, Auburn, Alabama. That's a pretty good top three. Uh, this next week here, not a great slate, but Georgia goes to South Carolina for a pivotal uh, conference game early in the season. Yeah. Here, uh, you know, there there are those who are on South Carolina. I believe you are one of them, correct? Yeah, this, this game decides that division. So South Carolina, it, it would be it would help be helpful for them to win this game. And then uh, College Game Day will be uh, at Texas A&M at College Station. Clemson comes to town to take on Jimbo Fisher squad. Um, Clemson should win that game. They'll. Uh, fairly easily, I would imagine. Um, other than that, not a whole lot else. Uh, USC and Stanford play. Stanford's going to win that game. Bryce Love, you would hope, has more than 18 yards or 20 or whatever the hell he had. It was not much. 29 yards. Um, Michigan State goes to play the Fighting Herm Edwards. Other than that, there's not a whole lot on the slate. Fresno State at Minnesota could be sneaky interesting um but yeah other than that uh week two slate that's not uh not great they Penn State at Pittsburgh yeah don't don't waste my time with Pittsburgh but Penn State did not look good last week so um I understand that that could be a upset uh special Michigan State who look like shit uh they play Arizona State we'll see what her Edwards can get done there. That'll be an interesting matchup. 
and uh, Mississippi State, Kansas State, uh, Duke Northwestern. Yep, I guess, yeah, that's a good game. Arizona, Houston. Arizona disappointed last week. Yeah, they kind of shit the bed. Uh, Kansas Central Michigan, I mean, I think we know how that one's going to end up. Yep. Nebraska Colorado. And if you can't even beat Nickel State, you don't have a chance to beat Central Michigan. Navy lost. Memphis Navy may, maybe uh, would have been something, but uh, not, not a whole Iowa, Iowa State. It's always uh, interesting. But uh, it's another struggle. Another struggle. Anything else college football related that we need to get to? Urban Meyer made another stupid apology. He needs to shut the hell up and just go away for good. Uh, again, cheering against Ohio State every chance I get. I think Florida's beat Kentucky for, what, 32 years in a row? Yeah, that's going to be 33 on Saturday. Kentucky, the last couple years, they've been close. They've had their chances, and it just hasn't happened. It's, uh, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Minnesota... Uh, Fresno State, they better watch their ass there. Yep. Um, yeah, watch a bunch of football. I'll probably watch more this week than I did last. We go now to the pros. The pros kick off their season. Um, but the bigger news is what's going on off the field, uh, actually, regarding players in trades or players not showing up to their teams. The big news on Saturday. I believe it was a couple years ago, on Labor Day weekend, uh, you and I had a uh, conversation because the Eagles traded Sam Bradford to the Vikings for a first-round pick. And once you know it, a couple years later, another massive trade goes down Labor Day weekend on Saturday. This time, it's uh, Khalil Mack, all-pro defensive lineman for the Oakland Raiders, had been holding out, wanting a new deal from Oakland. Oakland for whatever reason, didn't want to pony up with the money. So they, and they had said time and time again, oh, we're not going to trade him, this and that. And then you caught trade wins of Cleveland, the Jets trying to get in, and all of a sudden a report comes in that the Bears are making a late charge, and they acquire Khalil Mack for two first-round picks, one in 19, one in 2020, a third-round pick in 2020, and a fifth-round pick. They get Khalil Mack, and they also receive a, tw- uh, I can't remember, it's a second round pick, I think it's 2020, it might be 2019, from the Raiders, and a conditional sixth round pick. So not only did you get an all-pro defensive lineman for two first round picks, uh, two first round picks that probably wouldn't have panned out anyway, but you also get a second rounder from the Bears. I think it's the, the, the second rounder is in 2020. So um, the, the Raiders here get fleeced. And uh, they look stupid in this. John Gruden looks terrible. Uh, the Bears now all of a sudden have thrust themselves in the mix not only to have a top five defense in the NFL. I think Khalil Mack can do that for a team that was already top ten in defense last year. But uh, certainly they could, they're positioning themselves to compete with the Packers and the Vikings here over the next few years in the NFC North. Maybe not this year, but within the next few I'm not nearly as big on the Bears as, as that. I mean, their quarterback is terrible. Well, and that's the that's the key. Uh, you know, can 
uh, uh, Nathaniel Trubisky. Nick Trubisky. Nick Trubisky, yes. Dick Trubisky. Oh, Dick Trubisky. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, where were your way? The Bears are wasting their time on wants to make a move at the quarterback position. Um, the Raiders. What the hell is this? It's what not good. What are they doing? It's almost like Jordy they're giving. Nelson. It's almost like they're giving Oakland the middle finger as they walk out and head to Las Vegas. It's almost as if John Gruden doesn't know what the hell is going on. Jordy Nelson, very good receiver. He's thirty-three years old, coming off of injury. Uh, Brandon LaFell, he's thirty, close to be thirty-two. Dwayne Harris, thirty-one. These are all guys he's signed. They're all old, old as hell. All these old guys. Doug, he signed Doug Martin. Doug Martin's around the 30. Doug Martin's always hurts. What, what, what are you doing with these guys? They have the oldest old roster guys. in the NFL. Right. The old- this, is, this is terrible. Yeah. They were on the come. Frosty Rucker. Frosty Rucker is 35 years old. What the hell would you want to do with Fr- Derek Johnson. I, I very much wanted the Vikings to draft Derek Johnson. I was in high school when Derek Johnson was drafted. I was going to say, 35. it was you know, a decade ago that you wanted the Vikings yeah. to draft Derek Johnson. That was 13 years ago. He's soon to be 36. What the hell? You're going to replace Khalil Mack with Derek Johnson. What in the hell is he doing? What a disaster. Oakland, so close. The team on the come. They're off the come. There's no more come. You know, they're a sell. They're a sell. Yeah, they're not on the come in. They I, suck. You know what? Um, you know, kind of like you know, I was buying. You know, when Andrew Luck uh, first got drafted by the Colts, and you could see that projection. I'm like, okay, they're going to win a wild card game, and then the, the divisional round, and then they get to the conference championship. And I was picking Super Bowl, and it, it fell off a cliff in large part because uh, Andrew Luck's shoulder yeah, nearly works. fell off, and. I uh, now in seeing what former GM Ryan Grigson did there, uh, just did an awful job drafting. Uh, there, the despite the fact that the Colts have Andrew Luck, they are still a long ways away from competing with the rest of the teams in that division, and from really making strides to being a competitive football team. The Oakland Raiders, by doing this, they were already atrocious last year uh, after a lot of people, myself included, expected big things from the Raiders. Derek Carr to take that next step. Uh, Didn't help that Amari Cooper had the dropsies last year. But with the Raiders trading Khalil Mack now and having the oldest roster in the league, I get that veteran experience does comprise of something, but you are in a division... Uh, with the likes of Von Miller in the Broncos' defense. I think Case Keenum, Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas will be just fine this year for the Broncos. You have Old Man Rivers, but with a good defensive line and linebacking core behind him. They drafted Derwin James from Florida State to help in the secondary. They have uh, Melvin Gordon at running back, some decent wide receivers. It's a big year for our Mike Williams from Clemson. Uh... Then you have Kansas City with Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt. That's a team that's very interesting to watch. So the Raiders, they haven't gotten, they didn't get better this offseason 
while the rest of the teams that Kansas City is in transition year, I feel like. Um, but with this move, Denver's in a transition. Denver is in a transition, but I I have more faith in Case Keenum well, in that in that in that defense than I do Mahomes and the Chiefs. And the reason why I say that is because the Chiefs have no defense, so they are going to rely constantly on Mahomes and that arm and that offense to win them games. Denver at least has a defense in case Keenum just needs to play, not be a game manager, but just not make mistakes. Play like he did last year with the Vikings, and the Broncos have a chance to be uh, a division winner. But for the Raiders, you when you trade your best player outside of your quarterback, and he's better than Derek Carr, is at his position. Like, his eye shadow's not as uh, extreme. It just it just doesn't make sense, and he gets rewarded with a six year, hundred and forty one million dollar contract. Uh, this on the heels of Aaron Donald signing a massive deal with the Rams. I mean, these are now one two in uh, guaranteed money and highest paid defensive player, um, and one two guaranteed money on the defensive side, I should say, and rightfully so. Uh, I I just the Raiders. You know what? You can't sell fast enough with me on this team, and John Gruden's stay in Oakland slash Las Vegas uh, could be a very short one. It usually doesn't work out when the coach has been been away for a long time. But he's seen the game. I mean, he's he was a the 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 yeah. analyst for Monday Night Football. He's been around like he he does his quarterback camp every year. This sh- he's not. It's not like he was taken out of the game. You know, like a Joe Gibbs or. Um, you know, someone like that. It because it, it rarely happens. But then we always mock Gruden because he was like, "I love this guy. I love that guy. I love all of the guys. He liked everybody." Um, so that got old after a while. Yep. We'll see how they do, but right now it doesn't look real good. On paper, these look like bad decisions. He, he did not make the team better. The other news, Le'Veon Bell still has not reported to Steelers training camp as of the recording of this podcast. Uh, he has not signed his franchise tag, uh, you know, the tender yet. He says he's, he's going to come up. The teammates expect him to show up, but he hasn't yet. He, he Last year he reported right for that first game. Uh, he reported that week, but he reported earlier than he has this time around. Uh, there are reports that they might... Not even start him. They'll start Connors, uh, Jimmy uh, James Connors, the the running back who they drafted from the University of Pittsburgh had that cancer battle, and we're glad that he is um, doing good now. But uh, even if he does come back this week, he might not play against the Cleveland Browns. And you know, Be- Bella said, "I'm ready for my best year ever," but maybe he won't try quite as hard because he wants to wait for that next payday, and it's certainly not going to be with the Steelers. I can't imagine. But uh, this puts the Steelers, I think, in a very precarious situation here because, yes, they have Antonio Brown, but and Juju Smith-Schuster is a good wide receiver. But without Le'Veon Bell, this team is average at best. And very very well could, could lose the AFC North as a result of Bell not being there. It's going to be interesting to see the numbers with and without him. If there's a big difference or not. I, th- I think there's got to be, just uh, with his versatility. I, 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 know 
want to say that there's not a whole lot of difference, but uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I have them losing to Cleveland to open the year. They opened up by okay. Cleveland last year. It was an 18-15 ball game. Cleveland, as you all know, okay, here we go. Was here winning. What do we got here? All right, what do we got here? This was posted a year ago, so take that into consideration. A year ago. Uh, since 2013, Steelers are 10 and 7 without him. That's okay. Uh, 11 and 9 if you include the playoffs. They were holding three without him in uh, five years ago. Missed the first three games of the season, but since then they've been 8 and 4 without him. So it seemed to make sense without your one of your best players. It would you know, it would not be as good, but. I think I'll be fine without him. James Conner is the running back who will be starting if uh, if Le'Veon doesn't have- report. And interesting enough, uh, in an eight-team draft that I did here the other day, granted it was with family, so sometimes when you do family drafts, it, it has a tendency to... Um, that's so, according to plan. Right. Uh, we, we've we've heard of the likes of Marcus Traxler and his family and his draft and stuff. Uh, the, the, the interesting picks that can be made. But Le'Veon Bell lasted until the sixth round, or the, until the sixth overall pick um, in this 18 draft. And I think there is, I, I don't. Would you have picked up, let's say you had the third pick, would you have picked him? No. In fact, I in fact I passed him to draft Alvin Kamara. Yeah, probably. And I, because I think Kamara right now is the safer bet. You, I mean, Mark Ingram suspended the first four games of the year, and with this, the the mere fact that he has not reported yet, I think is of a, a real cause for concern uh, to Steelers fans. There. With that being said, um, I'll run through my picks here. Uh, feel free to just say, and I, I said this last year, and I'll, I'll follow it along again this year. Two years ago, I did pretty good with in terms of how many teams I got their records exactly right, how many teams I was off by a game plus or minus, and even two games plus or minus. Last year, not so great. This year, I feel even worse about some of these teams. Um, I'll just start in the AFC. I'll start in the AFC North. I have the Steelers winning it. With a 10-6 and six record, it seems very low for a team like Pittsburgh to win 10 games, but I'm at 10-6. and six. I have the Ravens next at 7-9. and nine. I feel like with if they put Lamar Jackson on the field with Joe Flacco, run some double quarterback uh, plays, I, I think the defense is going to be a little better. They've revamped that receiving core. Michael Crabtree is there. John Brown from Arizona. So this is a, a better offensive team that the Ravens have but they still have Joe Flacco as their starting quarterback and I don't give a shit if he's looked okay in the preseason he knows he's fighting for his job but I don't think that's going to ultimately matter in the end I have the Ravens at 7-9 and nine. I have the Bengals at 6-10 and 10. I feel like that could actually go, be flipped because uh, the Bengals will be under the radar this year. New offensive coordinator. Uh, I expect their offense to be much better than it was last year. And I have the Browns at 5-11. and 11. I feel like they could potentially win a game or two more than that. 
But that's how I have it here in the AFC North. Any thoughts on the AFC North? I like the Steelers to win the division and the Browns to make the playoffs. Boom. What a bold prediction. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. AFC East. Uh, no surprise here. Patriots going to dominate this division. But for the first time in eight years or whatever, I don't have them winning 12 games. I have them at 10-6. and six, And I have them starting out 0-2. I realize that's uh, quite unpopular. And this is with them sweeping the division. No, not with them sweeping the division. They're losing at well, Buffalo and at Miami. Because Bill Belichick well, cannot... they are. <laughs> Holy hell, they're losing to Buffalo? It's Buffalo. Uh, fuck, do you think Do you think Josh, Helen, or Peterman is going to beat Brady or Belichick? I, I, I get it that it, it does not seem... Boy, that... Likely, and I have the Bills at four and twelve, and I feel like that might be a stretch. I think they, the Bills, might be lucky to win three games this year, but the Bills do get the Patriots in their in the lone primetime game that they have at home. So I'm going to give the Bill, I'm going to throw the Bills a bone there, and Bill Belichick can't beat the Patriots in my or can't beat the Dolphins in Miami. Just not happening. But I do have the Patriots at ten and six. I have the Dolphins, Charlie's Dolphins, at uh, what the hell do I have them at? Uh, six and ten, and I have the Jets and the Bills both at four and twelve. Jets are starting Sam Darnold as rookie, so I think they have a chance to actually be better. But uh, ultimately, I have the, the the AFC East is bad. Any thoughts on the East? The East has been bad forever. It has. It's been bad for as long as Brady has been around. I think it's going to be There's worse no this year. Buffalo's never made the playoffs until last year, and they decide to, and they decide to get rid of their quarterback because they're idiots. Yep. And for salary cap reasons, so they do that. And then even the quarterback that they signed in free agency, they traded it's to no the Raiders. Good. Not there anymore. Right. Great move, Gruden. Great move, Buffalo. Everybody sucks. And that, that quarterback in question is A.J. McCarron. Miami, once in a blue moon, will have a year. When Chad Pennington's alive, they'll go 11-5 and five and do nothing. Uh, the Jets may damn near made the Super Bowl two years in a row because of a good defense and a good running game. The, the division is, is awful. It is. It, it's just been awful. It's just been a slaughter each and every year. New England, give me 12-4. and four. Everybody else finishes under 500. The uh, AFC South, to me, is the best. No, well, give me the Jets to make the playoffs. If the Browns are making it, the Jets are Oh, Jiminy. Wow, wow. I like it. Bold strategy, Cotton. Bold strategy. Uh, The AFC South, to me, is the best division in football. Uh, The Jaguars are great on defense. They still have Blake Bottles or... We call them bottles. It's Bortles at quarterback. Nope, they, it's they, they lost it. Here's what I don't understand. Here's what I don't understand about the Jaguars, though. Uh, Leonard Fournette's a great running back. We both agree on that. He, he was great at LSU. But they lost Allen Hearns to Dallas and Allen Robinson to Chicago. They were their top two wide receivers last year um, or over the past few years. Yes, they, they've had some injury concerns, some injuries to deal with. But I can't imagine 
you know, them being able to adequately replace him. They have D.D. Westbrook there. Keelan Cole kind of emerged out of nowhere. But the Jaguars are going to win a lot of low-scoring games, and it's all going to be because of their defense. Um, with that being said, I like the Jaguars at 11-5. and five. A team I'm high on, though, and it's it completely if they're healthy. And last year, they were decimated by injuries on really both sides, but defensively especially. And that would be the Houston Texans. J.J. Watt got hurt. Whitney Merciless got hurt. Um, Jadavion Clowney, I think, was healthy for the most part. But that's a strong defensive line right there. And then Deshaun Watson on offense. We both loved him coming out of Clemson. Dabble Sweeney said he was the Michael Jordan of the quarterbacks. And he looked every bit the part the few games that he played. He tore his ACL. He's going to come back this year with a vengeance. DeAndre Hopkins played great last year with a shit with the shitty quarterback situation. He's going to be great this year. Will Fuller's going to emerge. Will Fuller the fifth. The Texan the, the thing that scares me besides injuries is the offensive line for the Texans is not great. But I have the Texans at 11 and 5. The Titans I think are better than 8 and 8, but that's what I have them at. I just I think Marcus Mariota takes that next step this year, but I I, I have a difficult time paying the Titans. And then the Colts, uh, Colin Coward, I saw, said that with Boy, Andrew Luck... Boy, there's a reputable source. <laughs> I saw... Christ almighty. I saw him... Donald Trump said today. <laughs> I saw Colin Kaepernick say... Uh, no, not Coward. Colin Kaepernick, Colin Coward. Um, uh, how dare I slander Colin Kaepernick's name. By, with the likes of Colin Coward. But anyway, Colin Coward had said a few weeks back that Andrew Luck joining the Colts, it immediately improves them to at least eight wins. I don't see that happening. Uh, they have nothing outside of Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. Uh, running back by committee uh, with Marlon Mack and whoever the hell else at Wilkins. I, I don't know who the hell they're going to have running uh, the ball there in Indianapolis, but I have the Colts at 5-11. and 11. So uh, give me... In a, I think I'll take the Texans. I don't know how the the tiebreakers are going to work out, but the Texans and Jaguars both finish 11-5. Both are making the playoffs in the AFC South. Any thoughts on the South? Uh, I picked Jacksonville's defense in your fantasy league, so I hope they do well. They will. Um, I hope Jacksonville does well. I don't have anything against them except their shitty quarterback. Um. I won't pick them for the playoffs because, for Christ's sake, I already picked the Browns and the Jets for the playoffs. But uh, I'll get on Deshaun Watson's bandwagon here. I'll take Houston. Very good. Very good. Clemson strong. The Hopkins also, Watson. Yeah, Clemson strong. Clemson strong hurricanes go, go to natural disasters. Uh, may I say, the Jaguars, uh, I think they've gone back to their black helmets. And yes. that's, that's a good That's a great It is. It is. No doubt about it. Uh, finally in the West here, everyone is on the Chargers, and I, for the longest time, was on the Broncos to win the West. Um, in large part because I I love the uh, the the fact that they got Bradley Chubb to help on that defensive line. Along, you know, they have well, five, what? Whoever listens to this, love your family and loved ones, like Mister Stack and love Case, loves Case Keenum. I don't love Do Case Keenum. But I, I thought it was a very good decision to 
uh, sign uh, him. John Elway is a terrible general manager. He is. He's terrible. He, oh, no doubt about it. He's bad. He, he got Peyton Manning to agree. He lucked into that come. one. Yep. And Manning sets the world on fire. And has the greatest quarterback, has the greatest season anybody's ever seen. Yep. And they proceed to uh, not win the Super Bowl. And then they proceed to win it with Brock Osweiler and Broken Neck Manning, who... Kate Manning probably deserved another Super Bowl in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, we talk about Trent Dilfer being like the worst quarterback to, to win a, to win a Super Bowl. Yep. Like Kate Manning is right there. He could. He was bad. That defense won him that Super Bowl. Von Miller helped a lot. But boy, Kate Manning was not. He didn't give you much. He didn't. He didn't hurt you. But he couldn't give you a whole hell of a lot. No. So You're, he was gonna he was gonna single your ass to death. He wasn't gonna hit any home runs. He was gonna single, 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 and hope to hell the defense was good enough, which they were. Just look at who that guy has drafted. Look at the quarterbacks he has brought in. Uh, Paxton Lynch, without, not good. He's no longer with the team. Without exception, any anybody he has drafted has been atrocious. Top from the top down. Look at their draft picks. All right. Are you saying that Peyton Manning is the Joe Maurer of uh, of quarterbacks there to, when they won the Super Bowl? Single, single, yeah. single? Used to be the best of all time. Now just kind of hang on. But um, he's very fortunate that Peyton Manning agreed to be there and that they had a good three-year run because I don't know what it is with horse, uh, horse face Elway, but uh, his, his draft picks up been Ultimately, I have the Broncos at eight and eight. I had them initially winning. I've cooled on them considerably. Um, I have the we, we talked about the Raiders. I have the Raiders at six and ten. That maybe this. I I and that might be a little high for them. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with the with the momentum here and and everyone's pick and say the Chargers are doing it. This year, they just signed Antonio Gates. Phillip Rivers is going to have another stellar year. That defense is going to be great. And in front of 10,000 home fans and 15,000 road fans every week, uh, every home game, I should say, Chargers going to win the West with 11-5 record. The Chiefs with Pat Mahomes, I think, are going to surprise a few people this year. Uh, that offense is explosive. The defense sucks. But I like the Chiefs to be 9-7. and seven. And so, ultimately, I have them as... A wild card. I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, and all my division, uh, the two division winners, uh, 11 and 5. So I have the Texans as the top seed in the AFC. Chargers 2, Patriots, or Steelers 3, Patriots 4. Blasphemy. Pa- uh, Jaguars 5, and the Chiefs, the sixth seed. Chiefs or Chargers? Chargers usually disappoint. Yep. Chiefs, Chiefs usually surprise. I'll pull off a 13 and 3 every now and then. Uh, Pat Mahomes, he should be pretty good. Uh, people like the Chargers. Eh, I'll go Chiefs. Chiefs limited. Very good. I like Tennant. Um, oh, yeah, what? Rick Greenmont, he's a guy. They, uh, a lot of folks, a lot of folks think uh, Kansas City may have the best receiving core. In the country, so. I Travis Kelsey, 
all, all those folks. I will have a Patriots-Texans AFC Championship game, and I will take the Texans over the Patriots. Sounds about right. I'll take uh, New England over Houston. To the NFC side we go. Um, we'll start in the East. Uh Hard not to pick the Eagles, despite the fact that uh, Carson Wentz ha- uh, still hasn't been cleared for contact. Nick Foles has sucked in the, the preseason. He sucked during the regular season last year, caught lightning in a bottle, and was magnificent in the playoffs. Outside of that, really he was magnificent in only two games, Minnesota and New England. He sucked against Atlanta. Atlanta should have won that game had Julio Jones been able to hang on to the damn ball there in the end zone. But um, the Eagles' defense is... Yeah. Do you think the Vikings go to the Super Bowl if that happens? Yes. Yes. I, I, yes. They would have played, what, Atlanta the next week? They would have played Atlanta the next week, and it would have been at home. Then they would have played who? They would have played New England in the Super Bowl. That's right. But uh, I like Philadelphia to be 12-4. and four. Defense is great. Um, at some point, Carson Wentz is going to come back. Can he stay healthy? That's the question. And uh, unfortunately, I have to root for the Eagles now because Dallas Goddard's on the team. Um, so the, we'll see what the Dakota connection can bring. And I really like the New York Giants this year. Uh, Odell Beckham coming back healthy. We'll see. I mean, Sterling Shepard's good. But they got Saquon Barkley, so that offense is at least um, somewhat you know, competent. Nate Solder, they got him from New England. They signed him to a big contract. I think the defense will be better. Remember, Landon Collins is one of the best safeties in the game. Uh, so I like the Giants to be 10-6. and six. And then, the, the, as for the Cowboys in Washington here, the Washington races, um, I have the Cowboys at 6-10, and 10 and I don't feel good about that. I don't think they're going to be better than 9-7. and seven. Um, I feel like this is an 8-8 eight eight team, 9-7 team at best. Uh, I get you. I get that Des Bryant and Jason Witten were old, but I don't feel like you've been able to fully replace them, or especially for Jason Witten, the leadership that he provided to that team. Dak Prescott, not familiar with the weapons he has now. We'll see what Alan Hearns can do. I have the Cowboys at six and ten, and Washington. Alex Smith. I, I'm sorry. I like Alex Smith a lot. I think they do have some weapons, but I overall as a team. I just don't think the Redskins are much of anything. Adrian Peterson now there. I have Washington at 4-12. and 12, So I feel like I'm way off on Washington and probably off on Dallas. But that's what I got there in the NFC East. Any thoughts on the East? I'm going to take Dallas to win it. Uh, if Ezekiel Elliott can play all the games, I think he'll have a great year. But he's I really the he'll... only weapon that teams are like going to have to focus on. If he has a year like he had his rookie year, I think they'll be in very good shape. Okay. All right. Their offensive line, is, their, their offensive line is, is the best in football, I would say. So, if anything, I think, I, think I, would, I would give them an extra win against... I, I have the Giants sweeping them, so I would give them a, maybe a win against the Giants. And... Uh, you know, maybe I'd knock. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, that's is what I have. Des Bryant is he is he about done here? Is he uh, maybe gonna return? Who the hell knows? I mean, they, they Bryant. seemed like they had a contract with the Browns ready, 
Maybe he signs with New England. Uh, Baltimore was going to sign him before the draft, and he said no. Uh, Green Bay's been linked to him. Who the hell knows with Des Bryant? Um, we'll see. Who the Bears? Who are the Raiders? Well, yeah, the Raiders need all the old people they can get. Um, the NFC South, again, very good division here. Um, the Saints defense turned the corner last year. Um, I like them once again to do some good things this year. Alvin Kamara will be the the lead dog because Mark Ingram has suspended the first four games. Doesn't scare me at all. Mark Ingram's going to come back and have a fine year. Um, I like the the Saints to be twelve and four. And the Falcons are going to be right there behind them. Remember, the Super Bowl is at Mercedes-Benz Stadium this year in Atlanta. So Atlanta's got a real chance to to play and you know in their in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. I have them finishing just a game back of New Orleans at 11 and 5. The Panthers offensive line issues are big. I think you're going to see a lot more Christian McCaffrey though this year. Uh, he's going to get utilized a lot more, and it's it's going to help Carolina. But ultimately. I, I just don't know what to think of Carolina as a team. I have them at 7-9, and nine. Um, so in that 8-8, eight 9-7 and eight, nine and seven range. I don't see them making the playoffs this year. Just don't. And then the Buccaneers, Jameis Winston suspend the first three games. Their first three games, by the way, at New Orleans, then home to Philadelphia, home to Pittsburgh. Can you have a more murderous first three games to a oh, schedule? Like 3-0 to me. Did you say 3-0 to you? Yeah, probably that's wrong. Yeah, yeah, probably flip it. Uh, the dyslexia might be getting to you. Oh, and three is far more likely. Uh, and then just overall, no offense to Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I do like Mike Evans, um, stuff. But four and twelve, the the Bucks just terrible, just bad team this year. Uh, thoughts on the South? Carolina seems like the Kansas City version of the NFC, where they surprise once in a while. Mm-hmm. In a different way. I'll take New Orleans and Atlanta to make the playoffs. Carolina's pretty close. I'll take New Orleans and Atlanta right. to make the playoffs out of that division. We'll, we'll, we'll go up to the north here in a moment, uh, but first we'll go to the NFC West. And uh, the Rams, have they're all in. They're all in for winning L.A. They got Indomitian Sue. They traded for Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters. They signed Aaron Donald to that massive contract. Uh, Todd Gurley to the massive contract. Jared Goff seemed to take a, another step forward in year two. The Rams are all in. Um, I have them at 12-4 and four winning this division. San Francisco, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is undefeated as a starting quarterback. That will end on Sunday when they lose to the, 40, or when oh, they lose to the yeah. Vikings. Uh, but I have them at nine and seven. Seattle, I have them at eight and eight. They're they're a team in transition. Can never discount how good they can be with Russell Wilson. But uh, losing all those guys, the Legion of Boom. I have them at eight and eight. And the Cardinals, I'd love to see Sam Bradford stay healthy for a full year. I love David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. Just not a lot of depth there in the desert. I hope they're better than five and eleven. But that's what I have the Cardinals pegged at. I feel like I might be wrong with them and might be wrong with Seattle. Um, but uh, Rams, 12-4 12, 12 winning the NFC West. Your thoughts? Uh, this, division, this division is flip-flopped quite quickly. Mm-hmm. I have San Francisco winning this division. Mm. And the only 
team coming out of this. I don't have the Rams. I don't have the Eagles in the playoffs. Well, uh, I think Seattle will have a top five pick. I think they'll be very bad. I can definitely see that happening. We finish with the NFC North. Our uh, Team we cheer for the Minnesota Vikings. We've got Kirk Cousins in the offseason. Got Sheldon Richardson in the offseason. And for me, I'm not thinking Super Bowl or bust this year. You're bringing in a new quarterback. You're bringing in a new offensive coordinator. Uh, offensive line concerns still abound. And plus, you don't sign Jake Wenneke to the practice squad. So to hell with you, Vikings. No Super Bowl for you this year. <laughs> um, just not going to happen. Um, I do think that they will go 12 and four and I do have them sweeping the Packers. I th- what's going to tell me everything about the Viking season is week two at Green Bay. If they can beat Green Bay in Green Bay, I think this year is going to be a very good year for the Vikings. If they lose at Green Bay, you're fighting, you're going to play for a wild card this year. I, I fully believe that week two is going to decide what the Vikings do there. If they win, NFC Division uh, Championship, NFC North Division Championship. If they lose that game, wild card at best, but otherwise probably out. Uh, Green Bay is going to be very good this year, and Rodgers just got paid a huge sum of money. But uh, their defense should be improved. But Jordy Nelson was a huge part of the success in Green Bay. He's no longer there. Uh, we'll see if Devontae Adams can continue. Jimmy Graham, look out, Jimmy Graham. And that's a very underrated signing, too. But is it going to be the Jimmy Graham from New Orleans or yeah. the Jimmy oh, yeah. Graham from Seattle? You, okay. A uh, lot of young wide receivers there, though, so work in progress there. Running back by committee. I I think there's some kinks to be worked out early on with that, that Packers offense. But uh, overall, I think they're going to be good. I have them at 12-4 and four as well, but the Vikings sweeping them and winning the North. The Bears, I, I'm off on the Lions. I was off on the Lions last year. I don't know how to peg the Lions. I have them at five and eleven, and I have the Bears Whoa, at and I have the Bears at six and ten because I just think yeah. I think the Khalil Mack signing, and I'm gonna give maybe Trubisky a little too much credit, more credit than he deserves. But I think Nagy's gonna have a decent offense there. Nagy, Nagy. Uh, I, I will give the Bears a little more credit here. I've been persuaded by the Khalil Mack trade to give them one or two more wins. Give me the Bears at 6-10, and 10, the Lions at 5-11, and 11, and I know I'm off with them. I was off with them last year. Again, another team I don't feel good about. Um, but your thoughts on the Vikings in the North overall? I think the Vikings are the most talented team in the NFL. I have the Vikings and the Packers making the playoffs. There's no reason why the Vikings shouldn't win the Super Bowl. But I, I won't pick them to do that. Thank you. Because I've won my lesson too many times. I think next, I think the the next two years, I am going to say I, I I expect a Super Bowl appearance minimum. Hopefully a Super Bowl you championship. You got to win it. You, yep, you absolutely have to win it. But I'm not, based on Philadelphia and the Rams this year, and just how loaded those rosters are, I just don't see it happening. Now, they're both going to have some major issues with the salary cap in the offseason. They're going to lose a lot of key players, which is why I think then the Vikings vault themselves back into, the for sure, the top team in the NFC next year, and why I think that next year is a Super Bowl team. 
The Rams and Eagles are just too loaded. I can't put the Vikings in the Super Bowl. I don't expect them to make the Super Bowl. I expect them to make the playoffs. I expect them to... I, I hope that they win the NFC North, but you just never know with the badass Aaron Rodgers. Offensive line is the only question for Minnesota. Uh, they have by far the best defense. Can that defense, though, play worth a damn in the postseason? Last six quarters were atrocious. Yeah, I mean, they're going to let you down somehow. So, um, I have all four teams at 12-4. and four. That's got to be a record. I don't know how it all plays out. I'm going to say the Rams are the one. I'll say the Eagles are the two, the Vikings the three, the Saints the four. I have the Packers at f- the five seed, the Falcons the six seed. I will have the Rams and the Saints in the NFC Championship, and I will have the Rams losing to the Saints. I don't feel comfortable about my NFC pick at all. I'll have San Francisco beating Minnesota in the NFC title game. Whoa, San Francisco taking on Houston. No, New England, excuse me, uh, in the Super Bowl for you. Yeah. Uh, the the Jimmy Garoppolo Tom Brady Bowl. I have I have Houston against New Orleans, and I'm all in on Deshaun Watson and company. I have Houston winning the Super Bowl. Uh, do you have Brady winning another one, or does Garoppolo get his day in the sun? I have Jim Garoppolo becoming a what will Jim Garoppolo become? A three time, a three time, or a two time, two time quarter, two time. One. He's time. already won one of them, Sacken. He's oh, already soon. won one of them. Okay. Two-time. Two-time. Two-time uh, two deal. So. Very good. San Francisco over New England for Crins. Houston over New Orleans for Stacken. Aaron um, Rodgers, MVP. And I will give MVP to Deshaun Watson. I'm all in. Nick Foles. Nick Foles was the quarterback last year of the team that won the Super Bowl. Amazing, isn't it? Would would that, I mean, what, yeah, I mean, I asked you this before, I I think. It was, yeah, preseason, if I would have told you that it would be Case Keenum versus Nick Foles, and then Blake Bottles would be on the other side. Yep. Those three are your final four quarterbacks. I mean, that's absurd. Yep. Uh, Peyton Manning won it a couple of years before that, so it's been it's been interesting. No All doubt, this money with the quarterbacks, and here we go with these players winning. No doubt, no doubt about it. Um, any other thoughts, um, non-football? Anything else you would like to discuss? Well, let me. Uh, I posted uh, some on. I just to show you how stupid people are here. Uh, there, there was something uh, on the uh, Supreme uh, Supreme Court hearings today, whatever. Um, somehow guns came up. So I posted an article about... Uh, I just posted an article, didn't post anything else on this news story. Uh, four countries with gun control in what America could learn from these four countries uh, that have implemented gun control, and it's worked. Exactly, and it's worked. How about that? Twitter or Facebook? Uh, Facebook. <clears throat> and one guy says there's no such thing as gun control. Only people control 
And uh, this guy continues, says that the, the four countries that are mentioned there were Japan, Australia, uh, England, and Germany, and they don't have any problem with guns because uh, the people don't have guns. So that's, uh, and he made excuses for each of them. He says that the big one, yeah, you, you know, Australia is the big one. We all know about Australia. And it said that the, the gun violence didn't change when they uh, passed their laws. Oh, it didn't. But, but we know that it did. So, uh, so then I posted an article again. Didn't say anything else. Just posted an article. How Australia all but ended gun violence. And this guy continues to say that the post-gun ban trend is equal to the pre-gun ban. The law had no statistical evidence. So I post a graph, uh, a chart that I found. And I say it seems like the law did make some difference because it shows what it was before and, sh and shows what it is after. And after they passed the gun law, it went down. Is, is, is what is what happened. But this guy just says, nope. Uh, the post-ban trend matches the pre-ban trend. Even though this chart, plain as day, starts high and goes low. I mean, there, there's nothing to debate there. There's nothing to discuss there. Just the simple fact that they passed a law limiting guns and gun violence went down. I mean, that's I mean, there's, there's really no... And, and you have me saying it did, and me providing this chart that says it did, and this guy just saying no. So it's... it's, it's, it's I mean, uh, you you give them... Facts? facts you, you, you give them the, the answers to the tests, and they still get the questions wrong. It's amazing. I don't know... Unbelievable. I, I... Oh, you can literally... Say one and one is two. You take one and one, you add them together, come up with two. That's what it is. And they say, nope, it's five. You take one and one, it is five. You literally show them a graph of what it was before and what it was after. And they still, for whatever reason, refuse to accept what happened. I don't understand it at all. I don't either. It, it's it's beyond, it's beyond my comprehension. He cannot comprehend facts, and I can't comprehend him. To me. It's a stalemate. It's an impasse. Tumbling. All right, my friend. I appreciate the time, as always. Um... And uh, we'll chat next week and see what happened in the world of football and baseball. If I watch any football game that's not the Vikings, you have the right to tase me in the throat. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll write that down uh, for documentation purposes. Thank you. <laughs> Very well. Thank you, Krenz. We'll see you next week. We'll see you tomorrow night. Sure. All right, next week's probably more likely. <laughs> probably. Hold All right. Thank you, Krenz. Yes. Travis Krenz joined us here at Sports Block Prod Podcast. Appreciate his time and perspective as always. A lot of football talk in there. Um, so, yeah, he likes the 49ers over the Patriots. I like the Texans over the Saints. I don't like, I don't like a lot of these predictions. We'll see what happens next. Uh, we will go through week one, make our picks here. That's coming up momentarily here on the Sports Block Podcast. 
which you can find now available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block Podcast. Also, follow me on Twitter at NDStacken. Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Have a link posted to this podcast middle to later part of the week. Coming up next here, though, again, uh, NFL picks. Let's see if we have anything else in store for you on this uh, podcast. The first week of September, football season is here, folks. We're talking about it all on the Sports Block Podcast. All right, we'll get to the NFL picks here in just a moment here on the Sports Block Podcast, but I'm pleased to be joined by a good friend of mine, uh, Jeff Floyd II. You can hear him on the Lockdown Browns podcast. Uh, you know that he's joined us over the last couple of years to talk NFL draft stuff, and with college football kicking off and the NFL about to start, what better time than to bring Jeff in to talk about some potential prospects that we'll see playing on Sundays and Mondays in the NFL. Jeff, how you been, buddy? Uh, I could not be better. Uh, look, I mean, this is the time of year we all get for. I mean, we, as much as you love summer, you understand, you know, the calendar and the days they're flying by, they're flipping over. And, you know, what gets you through it that summer's over? You know, summer's over? Football. That's what gets you through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're a week through in college football here. Uh, so let's look at some of these prospects here. I would say... I mean, things can always change. It's a it seems like a pretty low uh, quarterback crop this year, especially compared to this past year. Here, uh, Locke from Missouri is the favorite. Is that uh, is that reasonable to say? I'd say he's one of them, but uh, you know, I do agree wholeheartedly with you. I mean, it, it, it's tough right now, and when you look at a year like last year, where you put five quarterbacks in the first round. Um, you know, guys, obviously the quarterback position, if it's not there, they're still going to go higher. I mean, look, you saw the demand. You know, Josh Allen, whatever the thoughts were. You know, uh, I don't think there was anyone to the man that thought he was a 10th overall prospect in that draft. Mm-hmm. But quarterbacks are going to go higher, and they're always needed. And if you look around, and, you know, you can see kind of where everybody's at with the number ones. But a lot of teams, you look at the number two quarterback, and, it, and, it, and it's really rough. And you look at the New York Giants, they've already scrapped a guy they drafted in 2017. Yep. So, you know, there's a team that's going to be looking to add a, probably a quarterback. They're always needed. Um, but there's going to be, I, I think you know, we're going to end up with a guy similar to Mitchell Trubisky. Um, you know, a guy who wasn't talked about too early on in the process, but week in, week out, is going to put out some solid tape, and you know, he's going to find himself into a top five, top ten quarterback in that type of scenario. I've heard the rumors, and I hope that you can um, disprove them here and just douse this fire for me. But uh, is Easton Stick from North Dakota State really on NFL teams' radars? Well, I, I do believe it's a possibility. Uh, they are there's no re, there's no stone unturned anymore, and it's especially going to be that way with the quarterbacks. And look, you know that region has been continuously putting out some players, so mm-hmm. you know it's going to keep people coming. And you know maybe the guy wasn't as big as a name of you walking in, but you know you continue to turn out talent, and you know guys get a reputation and a rapport there. You know, they want to be the first guy to get on to somebody. So, you know, it's it's certainly a possibility. There's no doubt about it. Now, my biasness is coming out here, but uh, Taron Christian from South Dakota State, does he have any pro potential here? It's it's a little early in the process for him, but like I said, it's become, I mean, I don't know if I want to say it's a hotbed, but people, you know, people are paying attention to what's going on in the Dakotas, and they're watching the football, and obviously they're scouting the town. Well, that's very good. Uh, it seems like right now, of course, things can always change between now and the end of April. But Nick Bosa seems to have almost cemented his status as the number one overall prospect uh, that's a non-quarterback here. And he may be the best of the Bosa bunch. Uh, is that fair to say? Well, I mean, you know, I, you know, I do think there's no reason to dispute whether or not he should be in the top, you know, one, two, three names in the absolute nation. And it does help that he comes 
you know, from those bloodlines. You know, a lot of it would come down to the scenario where he ends up. You know, obviously the match is always just as important for any player. Um, you know, but his brother's you know, not been too shabby in the NFL to no, this point. Uh, is the potential for him to be a, a possibly even better player? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's there from what he's shown. I mean, you look at him, you know, he was really talked about as a true freshman. True sophomore had a nice campaign. I mean, his first, you know, week one this week, I mean, you know, Oregon State, you know, look, they're a Pac-12 school. You, you don't want to, you know, throw any shade on the program as a whole. But those boys did not look like they had any business whatsoever being on a field with Nick Bosa. And, you know, there, you, there's no doubt in my mind, and if any of went to the Ohio State coaches right now and said, you want to know what? I'm locking it up here. I don't need to do anything else. He still would be a top-five selection. There is no doubt about it. I would agree. Let's stay on the defensive line here. Who are some uh, other big-name prospects that we're looking at headed into uh, the, throughout this season? Well, obviously, Ed Oliver out of Houston. I mean, doing everything, uh, defensive tackle, uh, ridiculous athlete, which, you know, we see athletic guys, you know, playing, you know, interior defensive line. But we're talking about a guy who's probably going to run a sub four eight at you know, 295 pounds, just an absolute insane number. Uh, I think he had seven tackles in the first quarter this week. Just a guy who absolutely can get it done. Um, one, if uh, you know, obviously for me it was a tough one. You know, uh, Monday night, Florida State looked poor, but a guy Brian Burns. There's a guy who's a true junior. Uh, I don't see any reason why he would stay for another year. He's probably another guy who, with you know, pass rushers, always, always in need, always in vogue. You know, he looked phenomenal getting off the ball against Virginia Tech Friday night. He's another guy you got to look out for. Very, very Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. Some talk whether or not he's best at D tackle or D end. Either way, you're going to get a solid guy who's going to go top 20. A lot, a lot of depth in the defensive line class this year. Uh, let's stay on the defensive side then. Uh, linebackers, secondary. I'm seeing, you know, Alabama, of course, is probably going to churn out a few guys here. Um, but uh, who who else in on the defensive side of the ball is really going to get in, uh, a look at and who should we be paying attention to? Well, obviously, you always look at the Alabama guys. You know, just a ton of talent there. Uh, one of my favorite safeties in the country from University of Washington. You know, they've been putting out a ton of guys lately. Uh, Taylor Rapp, free safety. Uh, you know, he's got the eyes. He, you know, he plays kind of like Bruno Baker did, uh, you know, in his days at Washington. <clears throat> he makes a lot of turnovers. Short tackler, vicious hitter. Fun, fun kid. So Taylor Rapp out of Washington is one. Quarterback class, it's, it's kind of – there's a lot of good guys. I don't know if we have the headliners just totally yet, unless you want to, uh, you know – you know, uh, LSU down there, always, you know, a couple defensive backs there. Greedy Williams, obviously, he, he's the name to watch. Solid, solid one-on-one -on -one guy. He's been on an island since basically the day he walked into LSU. Um, you know, LSU traditionally will be a little bit more aggressive and, and put a lot of, on these kids early. And, you know, sometimes it's because they have so many corners. If the guy doesn't cut it right away, if he ends up transferring, LSU's not too concerned because they got three, four more guys ready to take the spot anyway. But agree, Williams out of LSU, that is the absolute number one with a bullet right now at the quarterback. There's a quarterback position if you need a one-on-one -on -one cover guy. Boy, I can always just I can already hear the puns and and the jokes that'll be made. Whatever uh, team uh, he makes for a fantastic draft name, absolutely. <laughs> uh, just going back to the defensive line here for a second, I do see another Josh Allen. I don't think it's the quarterback from Wyoming, but a Josh Allen from Kentucky. Are we really going to have a Kentucky player potentially drafted in the first round here? Josh Allen was a guy I really liked last year, and I was actually stunned that he stayed at Kentucky. Um, but, you know, uh, what it, he has a sister who plays basketball at Louisville. So the two of them, you know, the parents, they're actually from Jersey. It was very important to the two of them. You know, they came from a, you know, a kind of a rough town here in New Jersey. Both of these kids, both him and his sister, wanted to finish the collegiate experience with a degree. So, you know, obviously kudos to him for that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, outside linebacker, pass rusher, um, he, he's going to need to show a little bit more this year 
against the meat of the Kentucky schedule. The you know the, the, the good SEC teams. Those are the games where the numbers and the production kind of dipped off a little bit. But a guy I really like, and I even kind of joked last year, and I made the joke, and I may have made it once with you, that the best Josh Allen that could have been in the 2018 draft was not from the University of exactly. Wyoming. He was actually from the University of Kentucky. But Josh Allen, you know, fun, fun player, and you know, I hope this year he can you know show better against the meat of that SEC schedule he's going to face. Last year, and really the past you know several years, offensive line depth has not been great throughout the draft. Of course, last or this past April, the uh, Notre Dame had a couple of first round picks, so that was big. Um, Will Hernandez from UTEP here. Well, what are we looking at along the offensive line here? Is there a little more depth this year, or a few more better players that uh, can be had early on? I think. Well, the first things first. What was le- what was tough last year was the left tackle position, which you never want, obviously, is important as it is. Um, Greg Williams, uh, Old Miss, uh, Cleveland Browns fans, they kind of laugh because there's another Greg Williams who ripped their hearts out a few <laughs> years ago. So, uh, but uh, Greg Williams, old, old Miss, you know, rock solid, 6'4", you know, 320 type of guy, moves well. He's a solid, solid player. Um, one of the guys who's really good, another guy, Adams, at the University of Washington, uh, ended up last year tearing his ACL, which was great. You know, obviously, it, it kind of hurt him, and it was tough for him, problem is right now missed week one already with a back injury looks like he's going to be out a little more time so here's a guy with a ton of talent but now you're worried about the acl and his anika responding to the back and that type of stuff um a lot of talk is uh obviously alabama he you're in year out uh jonah williams is a left tackle down there fantastic fantastic player uh you know usually you know you draft uh, alabama offensive lineman things are going to work out pretty well for you solid pedigree you know you're probably looking at about three guys right now between those between adams and Little and Williams, these guys probably somewhere, probably all carrying early top 15 overall grades. And there's going to be teams, Cleveland Browns, teams who weren't in on getting a left tackle last year because there wasn't much in free agency, there wasn't much in the draft. And there's already teams with their eyes towards this left tackle class that's going to be out in 2019. Bryce Love had a bit of a rough sh- showing against San Diego State, but I will, uh, I mean, he's my Heisman Trophy pick, so if that, not a great start to that. We'll see if he can bounce back here against USC this week. But is he the best running back in this in this class? Uh, is he going to be as good as some of the other backs that we've seen come out of Stanford? You know, the Christian McCaffrey, um, certainly probably got to be a little better than Toby Gerhardt, even though Toby Gerhardt wasn't that bad. But what do we expect from Bryce Love and the rest of this running back class? Well, I think your number one is Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma. Uh, obviously, you know, didn't get many reps on Saturday, but five carries for 100 yards. Uh, you know, I mean, the game was a laugher, and you only yep. gave him five carries. He was one of the best players in the absolute nation. So it tells you that Oklahoma, you know, they're going to move on pretty well from the Baker Mayfield area. So I would say he's pretty much the number one with a bullet right now. Bryce Love, look, uh, you know, the, 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 the thing there, obviously, you know, yes, probably a better career than Toby Gray, Gerhardt, sure. But still, uh, you know, had three receptions in that game, which is something he has. But that was kind of Christian McCaffrey's calling card. He was a solid running back, dynamic in the passing game. Um, Bryce Love, it's going to be tough, though, for a guy like him. Because when you have a, a guy who really is interested in his academics and already talks about things that he's going to want to do post-football, we know the way this draft process goes. And it's disgusting to think that there's guys in front offices that say, well, he's worried too much about his stem cell research. I don't know if he cares enough about football. It's such an antiquated way of thinking, mm-hmm. but it does exist, and it's terrible. And, you know, you know, Bryce Love's going to get the nickname Dr. Love because that's what he's interested in, and that's what he cares about. There's no reason he cannot do both. But some teams, they're going to look at that as maybe this is a bit of a knock. I don't think he's going to be a full-time number one running back. I think he's going to be somebody who can contribute in the backfield because we still need to see a lot more from him as a receiving back 
we know what he can do with the ball in his hands. And obviously Stanford, you know, they have these six foot four, six foot five, three hundred and twenty, three hundred point, three hundred and thirty pound kids, which will run behind in the NFL and should, you know, serve well. But if you're not gonna give much show of the fact that you can do much in the passing game, it gives the defense chance that, you know, a little bit easier to line up against you and do what they want to do. Catch of the year in college football, I think we've already had it in the Ole Miss-Texas Tech game. I can't remember. Is it Averis or Veritas? Uh, Tavarius, Tavarius, I want to believe. Yep. Yeah, I believe something like that. But, yes, <laughs> right, you know, and it's funny. You know, everybody everybody loves the Odell catch. Yep. And, you know, they had one right out the socket. You know, I mean, it, and it was funny because a lot of people talked about that and nobody talks about the fact that Ole Miss maybe had the three best receivers on the field that day. Right. Yeah, and one of the top ones is A.J. Brown. Uh, so let's talk about the wide receivers here. What do you think of this wide receiver class? Uh, it certainly looks like it could be somewhat deep. Is that correct? And, and you know, anytime we've talked about this, you know, every year other than 2014 for me, it's always been, well, it's always tough when you talk about a wide receiver class in, you know, in relation to the 2014 class. Mm-hmm. This may be the year where we can say, well, you know, We've got a class like 2014 class. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, down at Old Miss, uh, you know, obviously the first one we mentioned, DK Metcalf, who is a redshirt sophomore, raw, but gives you kind of like some Randy Moss type vibes, like he's a pure athlete, still not really sure exactly how he's doing it or how, you know, the correct way to do it, but still just dominating. Uh, if you watch the highlight from Nikhil Henry from Arizona State Saturday night, you know, catches a three yard hitch pattern and reverses the field. I mean, it looked like John Ross at Washington. But you got to keep in mind, this guy's six foot three, you know, probably, you know, 220 pounds. Guys are not supposed to move like that. His wiggle, the juking ability all the way across the field. I mean, it, it, there's a potential here to be a really, really deep group. Uh, finally, then, uh, just who, you know, we, we kind of I mentioned Easton Stick from North Dakota State, but maybe some of these other smaller schools that don't receive a lot of publicity. Is there anyone out there that's going to really surprise and be, um, or that, that you're really keeping an eye on that could be a high draft pick this year from, say, like an FCS school or Division II? It's, the, the, the toughest part about that is, is usually how these guys get found is is the production starts. And, you know, you see some kid at a smaller school, you know, it's mid-September and he's over 600 yards rushing. That's when people start fluctuating out and you get more feelers and, hey, what does he test like? Don't tell me what you put on the website. What did he test like? You know, because mm-hmm. look, I mean, it, it still goes on. Oh, he runs a four three nine, and a guy runs a four four five. I mean, it's a tremendous difference. You know, probably mid September to late September, those guys are going to start eking out more. If there's one guy I didn't get to mention here who I really like, and not small school, but no offense, out of Iowa, uh, you know, you're always looking for the next big athletic fun tight end. And him, he, he he's got it in spades. Um, he's, he's just a fun fun player. I was pretty much going to run their passing game through him this year. That's how legit he is. So he's going to be a fun, fun guy to watch that we didn't get to mention here today. What are your four college football playoff teams? Has it changed at all since week one is in the books and you had several teams, uh, Washington lost, Texas lost. I know they were a fringe playoff team for some. Uh, maybe you had Florida State or Miami in the, in the mix here. Who, uh, who are your four playoff teams? I don't know if anything changed. And look, Washington, as much as I love the program, I think the problem Washington has right now is they have the Andy Dalton of college football at center. And Jake Browning, he's just, and you watch him play and you just know he's not. I mean, the UW is fluid with athletes. And then you have a quarterback like Jake Browning who's just not with the rest of those guys. So I didn't have Washington in. Uh, I don't see any reason how Alabama's not in. Uh, the question is going to be, you know, is it LSU? Is it Georgia? Both of those teams absolutely stacked and loaded. 
uh, LSU lost a uh, outside linebacker this year. Even though LSU still comes pretty vanilla on offense, they do it and they do it well. The defense is good. Will that loss be the one thing that changes things? So I'm going to say Georgia's probably your other team there. I don't think there's any challenge for Ohio State whatsoever. I'd be stunned if Ohio State does not finish the season with an absolute perfect record. I mean, if you saw anything Saturday, I mean, you know, every drive, 77 points, like it was absolute nothing. And then I'm going to say everybody wants to talk about at Florida State and they want to talk about Miami. Nothing's changed in Clemson. And yeah. when you get guys, the caliber, I mean, they had guys who could have easily gone top 35, top 40 in the draft. And you have bring back all that defensive line. They have four players on the defensive line that are going to get drafted this year. Still have explosive playmakers on offense. Uh, it, it seems weird that Clemson's not being talked about enough. And, you know, maybe it's because, you know, they had the, the great run, uh, you know, of the quarterback, obviously, Deshaun Watson. I don't think anything's changing. And I see Clemson roll into a 12 in one season. So I'll say Clemson. I'll say Alabama. I'll say Ohio State. And I think Georgia will edge out LSU, and that'll be your four. Awesome. Awesome stuff there. A uh, couple quick ones here to close, uh, specifically related. You are a Jets fan. Uh, what do you think of the Jets? And then since you are uh, the host of the Lockdown Browns podcast here, what are your expectations for the Browns this year? Uh, okay, we'll start with the Jets, obviously. I think they made the right move. Uh, Sam Darnold, look, as much as you know, Josh McCown is a solid journeyman in what he does, look, Sam is – everything they've been looking for and more and i think they tried to give him every every chance for them to say you know what let's give it a couple of weeks but everything he did in the preseason the only thing he didn't do was show some deep ball but he wasn't playing you know uh, you know because uh, the, uh, the week three against the washington redskins oh well he's playing with the starters well he started mm-hmm. but he wasn't playing with the starters you know that he was three-fifths of the offensive line was out they were holding back wide receivers so you can't say he was playing with the starters just because he started but everything he did, you know, they, obviously, you know, it was, you know, the dinking and dunking, the completion percentage was up, showed well against the New York Giants. In which that was the that was the one that clinched it. He was there, he was ready to go. Uh, so, you know, twenty one years old. Look, here's the keys to the castle, kid. You know, there's a lot riding on you. You know, McCagney needs this to happen. Todd Bowles needs this to happen. It, it was the right decision. And you know, and like I told you many times when we were talking about it, I would have taken Josh Rosen if I was picking over all, all one for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But who did I think they should have taken? They should have taken Sam Darnold. Yep. And so Sam Darnold being the first rookie quarterback to start doesn't stun me. Cleveland, it's I re, I don't want to get that excited because the Browns fans keep telling me, Jeff, don't do it. Jeff, don't drink the Kool-Aid, Jeff. Don't <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid. You know, but a turnover roster of 31 out of 53 guys. John Dorsey's really quickly put his stamp onto this roster. The defense last year was a strong point. But the issue last year was the defense wasn't very deep. So Jamie Collins out for the season was a big loss. Miles Garrett missed some time. Emmanuel Ogba you know, uh, ended up going on IR as well. So they weren't deep, and that really hurt them once they started to lose some guys. This year, there's more depth to it. This defense can go 16, 17, 18 deep in the front seven with guys they like to play, guys they think they can rotate, all solid athletes, good in the roles that they're asked of. And I think that's going to be able to help keep this defense maintain the, the uh, play level that they were giving last year, which should help the offense tremendously. Because now this offense has got playmakers. You've got three running backs that can do things with the ball, and Carlos Hyde gives you dual threat versatility. Nick Chubb looks like he's going to be a solid, solid back for the years to come. Duke Johnson, probably a better receiver than, than he is runner, mm-hmm. but he can run the ball. Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield, you are finally covered at the quarterback position. It is not a revolving door. Josh Gordon is here, pronounced today. I am 100% healthy. I am 100% ready to go. He's going to play a week one, and I don't even know the last time Josh Gordon played a week one. <laughs> Jarvis Landry brings you stability. David Najoku at the tight end position 
is just an absolute freak. Week one preseason game against the Giants, you saw one thing. He cannot be covered by a linebacker, and you cannot get safety help's not going to matter on a ball in the end zone because he's six foot five with a 40 inch vertical. So, unless you've got a ladder or a trampoline, he's beating you to the ball. David, Njo- David Njoku is going to bust out this year in a major, major way. So, am I crazy to say that they're only going to win five games, or is that roughly where you expect them? I'd say five wins would be well, first off, I mean, and that's where everybody kind of gets upset. Oh, five, the win, five and 11, six and 10. I don't think people truly understand what going from one and 31 yeah. to a six game win turnaround and how hard that is to do. No kidding. The biggest difficulty they have, look, they're playing the NFC South this year. Yeah. They've got to play New Orleans. They got to play Carolina. They got to play Atlanta. They're playing the AFC West, you know, Kansas City, uh, uh, you know, the Chargers again. I mean, these are tough, tough teams that they got, you know, from their outside schedule. So it's going to be tough. I mean, five, six, I mean, I, I, that's pretty realistic. And, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you should be damn happy about it. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. But I'm definitely uh, with you here. The uh, the Browns are trending in the right direction here. And I think they could be a force here in the AFC North here in the next couple of years. Jeff, I always appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the season, buddy. And uh, we will chat, I'm sure, as we uh, get into the offseason here as the draft fast approaches. Uh, but thanks again. I always appreciate the time. Anything for you, Nathan, buddy. Great talking with you, pal. Thank you, Jeff. Take care. Jeff Lloyd II from the Lockdown Browns podcast. Always appreciate his time. Great stuff as always. You can find the Lockdown Browns podcast on iTunes. Uh, take a listen to it. It's great stuff there. I assume it's on iTunes. Anyway, just search for the Lockdown Browns podcast. Google it. It's good stuff. Uh, so high on the Browns, high on the Jets. A lot of good coll- collegiate players to keep our eyes on. Uh, so Plenty of good stuff to, to look into as we continue to progress into the college football season. NFL season kicks off Thursday. Uh, you're listening to this after Thursday. Of course, you know that. Here, we'll make some uh, week one NFL picks here to wrap up this week's edition. The first week of September, the football edition. The, the ma- major, predominantly football version of the Sports Block podcast. All right, so to end this the show, the podcast, as we always do during football season we're going to make some picks for the the upcoming week's games uh, in this case we don't have any we don't have to look back at anything excuse me I have the hiccups now um, I was just uh, so caught up in the moment here I guess uh, but yeah we always recap what happened the previous week and look ahead to next week and make some early picks but it's uh, the later picks here and it's, it's only week one so Nothing nothing we have to look back at. So, let's get right to it. Falcons at the Eagles. Thursday, September 6th. 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Eagles reigning Super Bowl champions. I think Atlanta's going to give them a game for a while. Atlanta arguably should have won last year in the playoffs. Excuse me, but give me the Falcons. Then we go to Sunday. Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Uh, noon kick or noon central time. Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins on Fox. Listen, I, I, I'm having a hard time paying the Titans this year. I've, I think. Look at goodness gracious. I think that Marcus Mariota can take the Titans to that next level, but I, I just don't know if they can be truly that consistent. But for the Dolphins, I mean. Sure, Ryan Tannehill is healthy this year, but can Kenyon Drake 
do his thing. Uh, Frank Gore, I just don't have a lot of belief in the Dolphins. They could certainly win this game. I won't put it past them. But give me the Titans on the road. San Francisco 49ers at the Minnesota Vikings, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central time on Fox. Uh, listen, the Vikings are great. Kirk Cousins making his regular season Vikings debut. I get Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't lost a regular season start yet. That's bound to end at some point, so give me the Vikings here. No Jarek McKinnon is really going to hurt the 49ers offense, I feel like. Houston Texans at the New England Patriots, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central time on CBS. Listen, I, I'm all in on the Texans this year. You've, you've heard that? I'm taking the Texans to win the Super Bowl. Deshaun Watson health, can stay healthy. J.J. Watt can stay healthy. That defense in general can stay healthy. I just really like what the Texans can do. I think the Patriots have lost a lot in this offseason. Seems like they always do. They have three wide receivers on their active roster. That's remarkable to me. So, and Julian Edelman is suspended the first four games. I get Gronk is Gronk and Brady is Brady, but I'm going to roll with the Texans here to get the win. <gasps> oh my gosh, what is going on here? Great way to end the podcast. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. No Jameis Winston for the Bucs. He's suspended for the first three games, so Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting. Might actually be a better option here, but this is a tough go against the Saints, uh, who don't have Mark Ingram, but Alvin Kamara should do plenty there to help lead the Saints offense. Uh, Saints roll in this one. Jacksonville Jaguars at the New York Giants, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. The, the Tom Coughlin Bowl. If we can dub it that, the Jaguars' defense is outstanding. It's going to win them a lot of games. I don't know what their offense is necessarily going to look like outside of Leonard Fournette. The Giants' defense isn't bad. Pat Shermer, first uh, game as the Giants' head coach. Saquon Barkley making his debut. I sound like I'm drunk. I'm, I'm not, I swear. I don't know why where these hiccups are coming from. But, with that being said, I, I think the Giants at home are going to get a win. Odell Beckham, a healthy Odell Beckham com, coming back, I think it's going to be enough for the, to take down the Giants, or for, for the Giants to take down the Jags in a close, low-scoring game. Cincinnati Bengals at the Indianapolis Colts, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. I, I don't know what to make of either of these teams. There are some that think that the Bengals are going to win the North, and they certainly could. They did get rid of a few parts on deep on defense. I do like AJ Green. I think Joe Mixon's going to be fine in the backfield. Andy Dalton's a good quarterback. He's not great, but he's not average. He's good. Uh, but the Colts have Andrew Luck back, and there's this whole excitement surrounding the Colts. But what else do they have around uh, Andrew Luck besides T.Y. Hilton? A committee at, at running back. I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of good things to say about the Colts outside of Adam Vinatieri and Andrew Luck. But, but I do think they pick up a win opening week here. I think they take down the Bengals. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. Do, doesn't sound like Le'Veon Bell is going to play up. He's not even going to show up perhaps until week 10. This is, a, this is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. And it's why I, I don't know. I mean, this totally changes the complexion and how I feel about the Steelers. And I think a lot of other people feel this way in, gen in general as well. Last year, the Steelers opened up at Cleveland. 
They barely beat the Browns, 18 to 15. Browns were terrible last year, as you know, they were 0 and 16. They're 1 and 31 in Hugh Jackson's coaching tenure so far. They get it done tomorrow. Tyrod, or on Sunday, I should say. Tyrod Taylor will do good things. That defense, great with with Miles Garrett. Josh Gordon not starting, but he will play. Jarvis Landry, excitement abound in Cleveland. Give give me the Browns for the win. Buffalo Bills at the Baltimore Ravens, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. The Bills are starting Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman's only other start, he threw five picks in the first half against the Chargers. Ravens defense is pretty good. Enough said. Give me the Ravens. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I apologize for this. Kansas City Chiefs at the Los Angeles Chargers, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. The Pat Mahomes debut. It's going to be good. Uh, I mean, think of all the weapons. Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt. A lot of good things for the Chiefs, but they have zero defense. And the Chargers defense is pretty good. And Pat Mahomes is going to make his share of mistakes early on in the season. A couple of turnovers, perhaps. Interception or two. Phillip Rivers and the Chargers offense. I like them. I like Melvin Gordon have a big game. I'll take the Chargers to edge the Chiefs in what will be a lot of points scored. I'm thinking like 27-24. Washington at the Arizona Cardinals. 425 p.m. Eastern. 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. I have a hard time pegging uh, pegging Washington and Arizona. Arizona has David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald. Sam Bradford can stay healthy. I think this offense can do a lot of good things. And I think they win this debut against Alex Smith, Adrian Peterson and company. Alex Alex Smith's Washington debut is spoiled. Uh, Dallas Cowboys at the Carolina Panthers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. The the Panthers' offensive line is in shambles, really. A lot of shuff- shuffling. Outside of Ezekiel Elliott, though, for the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know what else the Cowboys really have. I don't know how they're going to use Tavon Austin. Don't know how Alan Hearns is going to work in this. A couple other young wide receivers. When you don't have Des Bryant and Jason Witten, as old as they were, they were still valuable compo- keys to this offense. And I don't know if Dak Prescott can necessarily take that next step without them, at least not this year. I'll take the Panthers narrowly, but it won't surprise me if Dallas wins. Seattle Seahawks at the Denver Broncos, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on Fox. This is the new-look Seahawks. A lot of defensive players are gone. Uh, Shaquille Griffin is going to get the start. Uh, if you don't know him, he's the guy who had his, you know, with the one arm, essentially, but played outstanding at Central Florida. And he's shown a lot in preseason. The Seahawks still have Russell Wilson. But the Broncos have Von Miller. They do have Case Keenum. I do think Case Keenum has a chance to lead the Broncos to a division title this year, perhaps. Uh, I like Emmanuel Sanders. I like Demarius Thomas a lot. I, I just think Denver going to be too much. You're, I'm almost done, folks. Three games left. Give me Denver. Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. I don't care if Khalil Mack just got there yesterday, two days ago, whatever. He's got to play in this one. He's got to try and make Aaron Rodgers' life miserable. But Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. The Packers have way more offensive uh, weapons than the Bears do. Interesting to see what Mike Pettin's, uh defense is like here in the, the first game. 
but give me the Packers to beat the Bears. New York Jets at the Detroit Lions in the first game of a Monday night doubleheader. 7.10 p.m. Eastern, 6.10 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Sam Darnold, the rookie quarterback, going to make his NFL de- debut. What the hell is going on? <sighs> anyway, uh, Matt Patricia making his head coach coaching debut for the Lions. I like the Lions. Matthew Stafford and company at home to take down the Jets. And then finally, John Gruden returning to coaching as the Oakland Raiders host the Los Angeles Rams. That's at 10.20 p.m. Eastern, 9.20 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. The last game of week one, last, uh, the nightcap of the double Monday Night Football doubleheader. Everyone's on the Rams. The Raiders, uh, everyone's jumping off ship thanks to that Khalil uh, Mack trade. I mean... Let's go Rams. I mean, the, John Gruden ugh, could be a long year there in the black hole. Could be the last year in, in the black hole for the Oakland Raiders if they do, in fact, move to Vegas in the offseason. Off Those are your week one picks. Uh, these hiccups are not going away. I don't know what the hell's going on. So uh, enjoy the football this week, folks. You can find this podcast, the Sports, sports Block Podcast, available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block Follow me on Twitter, at Andy Stacken, Facebook, Nathan Stacken. We have a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Uh, week. And uh, enjoy the college football. Enjoy the NFL. We'll be back next week to talk about it all uh, and just see what's in store. So hopefully the hiccups will be gone by that point. And I uh, hope you have a great week. Thank you, as always, for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, Please join us. Please download us. Please tune in again next week for another football-filled edition, along with some baseball talk as well. Here, uh, Nathan Sacken, Travis Crins, Jeff Lloyd II from Lockdown Browns Podcast. Uh, good listen as well, uh, in, besides this one here. But thank you so much for listening. I uh, hope you have a great week. Enjoy the football. Enjoy week one of the NFL regular season. Good luck to your fantasy teams out there. And we'll talk to you next week here on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.